Hello, Guru Fateh. Welcome to the SIGCAST. My name is Manpreet Singh. Thank you for being with us. We are here to introduce a new series for the year uh, called the Shabbat of the Month. I know last year and the year before you guys enjoyed Shabbat of the Week. I hope you guys are still listening to that. Um, and now we're back with Shabbat of the Month with Inigar. Inigar, long time no speak. Thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you, Manpreet, for doing this. And, th- and, and it's actually really wonderful being back doing these podcasts with you and our audience. You know, Manpreet, I want to say something that I'm, you know, to our audience, really, that I'm extremely grateful and deeply humbled because I've received numerous amazing and beautiful messages of gratitude from our listeners. Many times, you know, my eyes misted reading them. So I want to take this time and thank all of you from the bottom of my heart for your love, for your support, and for your kindness. And know that I truly appreciate and value it. So thank you. Thank you for all your research and your hard work in talking with us and describing these transcreations that you and the Sikh Research Institute, the people there have created. So we really appreciate that. We appreciate your time. And now we're with the Shabbat of the month. So please tell the listeners what this series is going to be about. So Shabbat of the month, you know, this year is Nanakshai 550. So in celebration of Nanakshai 550, we at Sikri decided that we wanted to transcreate 12 Shabbats of Guru Nanak Sab. So that is why it's Shabbat of the month. So every month we, there will be one Shabbat of Guru Nanak Sab along with a podcast. And that's where, you know, you come in and our audience comes in as well. So it's quite exciting. You know, the entire year at Sikri, uh, we have devoted to celebrating Nanakshai 550. So there'll be blogs. Um, there will be, you know, our Thursday Thoughts series are also on that. Just about everything that we are doing at Sikri this year in 2019 is that celebration. So I invite our um, listeners to, you know, to look at our website and look at the social media posts because I'm sure they will find things that are really interested, interesting. I'm really excited about um, about certain series, and I hope our audience gets a chance to, you know, go on to our Facebook page, sikri.org, on our website, and take advantage uh, of reading them and and enjoying them and sending us a message whether you, you know, how you are. Um, liking them. So I appreciate that. Uh, you know, that would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that would be great. And if anyone has any questions, comments, please reach out through those mediums and we will definitely get back to you. So, Inikar, let's get into uh, this month's Shabbat titled, Oh My Mother, Mind Pierced by the Compassionate. So, like I said before, this Shabbat is by Guru Nanak Sab. It is in Rag Bilavil. It is on page on Ang 795 of the Guru Granth Sahib. Mind the temple, body the ascetic cloth, bathe within the heart pilgrim shrine. One Shabbat lives on my breath, no longer entering birth cycle. 
O my mother, mind pierced by the compassionate, who knows the pain of others? I worry not about others. Reflect. O unreachable, O unperceivable, O indescribable, O immeasurable, worry about me. Totally pervading on land, water and sky, your light is in each and every one. All teaching, knowing, understanding is yours. Body temple shade is yours. I know no one other except you. O my sovereign, I forever sing and praise you. All beings, creatures in your sanctuary, all cares are yours. Nanak's one prayer, whatever pleases you, that is good. This is a beautiful um, Shabbat and um, I think I'd like to begin with the Rahautuk, which is the central message of the Shabbat. So, Man Bedia Dial Seti Mirimai, Korn Jane Pir Parai, Ham Nahi Chet Parai, O my mother, mind pierced by the compassionate, who knows the pain of others? I worry not about the others. So, here I want to focus on the word Dial that is being used to describe the divine, compassionate. And this is such an important learning. I mean, I felt this was such an important learning for me that to imbibe the virtue of compassion within me. So, you know, let's elaborate. Let's go elaborating on the rest of the Rahal. Oh, my mother, my mind has been pierced. So now let's just, you know, Look at this. When you pierce something, Manpreet, you're actually emptying it. And there is pain when you pierce. But here the question to ask is who is doing the piercing? It is Dayal, the compassionate one, is doing the piercing. So there isn't that pain because compassion and pain don't go together. So it's Dayal, the compassionate one, who is piercing the mind, emptying it, and what happens after that? Yes, what happens that it is being filled with love, that love is entering that mind. And we get to see that in the next body. You know, just a, um, a thought occurred. One can only receive when one becomes empty. You know, there's something to keep in mind. When the I within is strong, how can love enter? So going back to the Rahal, who knows the pain of others? And this is so true. Let's, you know, I mean, I reflect on my day-to-day life and what happens um, in my life. I mean, sometimes I wear a mask and all of us wear masks. At from certain point and time in our lives, we hide our pain behind our smiles, and we do that for various reasons. It's rare to find uh, a being, an individual, with whom you can share your inner pain, your struggles. 
you know, with whom you can be totally naked. I mean, this naked is not physical nakedness. This is nakedness of uh, the mind, the nakedness of who you are. It's a rare thing that you can share that with another individual. And this is such an important realization that our inner pain, we do not share or we cannot share with anyone. So the point is, there's no point looking, going elsewhere for this relief. To get this relief is to focus our thoughts, our energies on the dayal, the compassionate one. For only the compassionate one truly knows what is going on within us and knows that our inner pain, what it is. So the gist of the Rahau is that what Guru Sahib is revealing that in his consciousness, the compassionate one is residing and he looks nowhere else for guidance. For the compassionate one knows his pain. And his mind has been pierced by the compassionate one. So the piercing has taken place. He looks nowhere else and he doesn't worry. He doesn't go anywhere else for that relief or guidance. It is the compassionate one. He goes for that. So I want to go now to the first body. Man mandar tan ves kalandar gathi tiratnava Mind the temple, body the ascetic cloth. Bathe within the heart pilgrim shrine. So here again I want to focus on a few words. Man, mind. Mind has become a mandar, a temple. So what is a mandar? You know, I thought about it. What is a mandar? So I came up with, it's a sacred place. It's a sacred place for many. Um, it's a dwelling place for a deity, an idol. And maybe for some, even it is a place to meet God. You know, people go, well, I'm going to the mandir to have a conversation. I'm going for darshan. In every, but the word mandir is used. So here Guru Sahib is revealing even further, that is mine, that has, that has been pierced by Dayal has now become a temple, has now become a mandar, has now become sacred. And in this mind, who resides? The divine, the divine presence. So the mind is sacred, has become sacred. And then there's the further rev revelation that the body has become kalandar. You know, kalandar is, is a Sufi dervish, which in other words means that the body is no longer attached to the material desires and possessions. It is free from those attachments. It's become carefree, like a like a dervishes. I mean, those the, the dervish in the purest sense, not the ones which you know are right now we are looking at. So that body has risen above material desires. So when the dayal, the compassionate one, resides in the mind. And when the body is free from desires, what happens then? Well, then the heart has become a tirat, a pilgrim shrine. And within this body, the bathing, the cleansing takes place. It is within. There is no need to go elsewhere. Everything is within. Now, this is the exquisite um, learning or revelation or or 
a liberating thought that everything is within you. Don't look outside. I cannot even begin to tell you how important this was for me when I began the journey, that don't bother looking elsewhere for answers. It is within you. So when the mind has become sacred and the body has risen above attachments and the heart has become a pilgrim's shrine, and then it is the Shabbat, the one Shabbat, that lives on your breath, that lives on your breath. And what does that mean, living on the breath? It is your inhaling and exhaling Shabbat. What is that? It's that inhaling and exhaling, that remembrance that remembrance that you're part of that one, that you're part of, of something much larger. And in that, you experience is, is Akal. Akal is timelessness. It's not dying. So how does one become Akal? How does one experience Akal? And I want to share something here. And, you know, it's just, yeah, let me just share it. So, you know, the process of birth and death is continuous. However, when you, you know, it's a cycle. You know, you're born, you die, you're born, you die, all that. But when you get to know, when you get to realize, when you get to perceive that you are a jyot, that you are a light, well, at that point, everything changes because jyot can never die. It is an awakening that play, takes place within us. And when you're graced to see that, that you're not just this body, but this consciousness, an incredible consciousness. Yes, don't get me wrong, the body is very important. Um, but you're more than this body. You're that consciousness that lives on. And this realization that you are consciousness occurs when Shabbat comes to reside within you. When you are connected with that, when you feel the presence, when you feel the oneness, when you feel that you're part of something a lot larger than just this body. That is that Akal. This is really um, powerful and liberating what Guru Sahib is revealing that the way to experience Akal, this timelessness, is for the mind to be pierced. So when your mind is pierced and your body, be, you know, and, and, and this temple and all this takes place and the cleansing takes place, you experience this timelessness. So the next verse, the next Pori reveals that, um, that the Ikankar is infinite. It's beyond our understanding. And it's vast. Um, and this force, this energy, whatever you want to call it, is everywhere. There is no place that it is not. And furthermore, Pacha says that this jyot is in everyone. So look how Guru Sahib is explaining that Ikyunkar's jyot is in each one of us, totally pervading on land, water and sky. Your light is in each and every one. This is one of the fundamental principles in Sikhi, that the jyot is in all. Sabme jyot, 
jyot hesoi. So how can the jyot die? You know, in this verse, there is also this vastness that you, we cannot understand you. We cannot understand the vastness. You're indescribable. It is beyond our comprehension. And we sometimes use the word become vast like the ocean. But this is not that vastness. Because that vastness of the ocean and you are still separate. This vastness is, how can I put it? This vastness is, that you're part of the cosmos, that you're part of this entire universe. There's nothing that is separate. It's, it's, it's like you've been lifted to the ethers and you are, you are in orbit with everything around you. You're part of that orbit. That's that vastness. There's no separation. You're part of the creation and the creation is a, as a part of you, it's that oneness. It's an incredible, it's an incredible experience. And that's what makes, that's when you understand the vastness. That is when you understand what a call is. And that is when your head bows again and again to what Guru Sahib is revealing. That you too can experience this. It's very much there. Um, yeah, um, yeah, and the next party is, um, reveals that stage of submission, which happens because you're in awe at, of what all you are experiencing. And then the word comes, Sahib, because that's a stage of submission. You are now my Sahib. You are my ruler. You are my sovereign. I belong to you. I belong to you. Why? Because you have enabled me to see something which is far beyond, which I could even imagine. This is an, this is an incredible stage. And by no stretch of the imagination that this is easy to submit to call some, to call that, to say that you are my Sahib. Something quite monumental takes place within you. It is like a powerful thought or an incredible love or something so vast that enters you that shifts your entire world, worldview. And that shift, and because that has shifted, and because you experience that largeness, that vastness, that magnificence, that this submission happens, enables you, enables the submission takes place. And it's not something that you do. It's not something you wake up in this morning, every one morning and say, well, I'm going to submit today. No, it happens effortlessly. It is as if you have no choice. Because the magnitude of what is taking place silences your ego. And then there is this acceptance um, that enters that you are no longer in charge. The I is no longer there. Who do you think you are? There is something far greater that you could have ever imagined, ever experienced that has taken place. And that's when the head bows 
and you say, there is no one else but you for me. Because you have enabled me to experience something which I could have never done on my own. So now that I've accepted that you are my sovereign, you are my ruler, all my mat, all my knowledge, which includes the philosophy and everything else, and my bud, which is my intellect, which is my decision-making ability, is yours because the submission has taken place. So what that means is, from now onward, I will follow your wisdom, because you are my sovereign. Everything belongs to you. You know, when I was, when I was working with the Shabbat, or when the Shabbat was working with me, unraveling things within me, you know, I looked at it in this broader, thick context, is that Think about it, when a sixth mat and bud belongs to the sovereign, so when that relationship with the sovereign, with the sahib, is strong, then automatically that sikh mat and bud is also strong. So the stronger the relationship, the more impactful our actions are, because the source of knowledge the intellect is flowing from where? From the sahib, from the sovereign. So all our decision-making um, are from that place. And they're a lot more powerful than saying, okay, should I do this or should I not do this? You know, that guidance is so um, so clear. And in the last body, the last body reveals that everyone is in your sanctuary. It's Sharan. So whether one feels it or not, that is depends on one's own relationship with the sovereign, with the divine, whether you feel that you are in that protection. You know, for some, we say, many at times I've heard that, you know, I feel Guru's hand is on me. So that Sharan is totally up to you, how you whether you feel that or not. And then there's that acceptance of hukum. You know, from time to time we say, oh, it's hukum, we must accept it. However, in that hukum, acceptance of hukum, it is a graceful and a cheerful acceptance. And that, Manpreet, requires an incredible amount of strength, which I've been finding out, experiencing in the last probably four or five months, that, you know, I would say, yes, I accept hukum. Yes, I live in hukum. I try to live in hukum and everything. But, you know, when things get tough and you still say, yes, this is hukum, there's a part of you that is crying and saying, this is too difficult. And then that thing, you know, that, that understanding, that learning came within. Hukum is to accept it gracefully and cheerfully. And that's what I'm working on right now on myself, to be able to accept it gracefully and cheerfully. And that's why I say it requires an incredible amount of strength. So let's, uh, you know, I want to recap the Shabbat. So when the mind becomes a temple and the body is no longer attached to material desires, the heart then becomes a shrine. And in it, you bathe and you cleanse within 
So don't look outside um, for solace. No one knows your pain except the divine. And then I think one of, for me, one of, you know, one of the important learnings in this one, in this Shabbat, among the, you know, all the others as well, was that when my relationship with my Sahib becomes strong, then my decisions, my actions will be more impactful because the knowledge um, and the wisdom will be from Sahib. So this um, is my understanding of the Shabbat. But, you know, Banpreet, I do want to ask you a question. Um, what is your understanding of Tirat pilgrimage? You know, because this is repeated so many times. It comes over and over again in Bani. Um, you know, Tirat is Nam. So what is Tirat to you? Why do people? Why do you think people go on Tirat? What are your thoughts on it? Tirat to me, when I was young, I used to believe um, my sisters and, and my parents and you know my cousins' family. When I was very young, I used to always believe that you you know Tirat is. I didn't really know the word Tirat, but I knew pilgrimage and I knew that we should be going to. Gurdwaras and historic places and go to Hamandir Sahib and Hamandir Sahib has become like uh, these days definitely um, viral and it's uh, all over social media and so many people are going there taking pictures realizing how great it is and even the people the six that go there then even non-six that go there that take videos of it and they describe how wonderful the place is they use the word pilgrimage there and so that's what I used to believe. And I used to believe what to, you know, go Ishnan there too, and things would be good. And it's funny because in the Shabbat it says, you know, um, the, the body is the aesthetic cloth and, uh, you know, cleaning yourself and and, and uh, just going to these gurdwaras and so many gurdwaras after over. So that was back in the day what I thought that it was. And now as I got older, uh, I've, matured i guess as much as i could so far and even with the help of you know sick research institute articles and much as i've read on sick history and and everything else and whatever i do to better myself you know now i realize and that theater to me is more of it's not going to as many places as you can it's more of knowing finding yourself in the sense of what is your what is your greatness you know and if you you got to find that within yourself and in with the use of shabad and that is it it's not going to you know this the shabad kind of reminded me to tell you the truth of and and I know you mentioned uh the word kalender being uh, sufi oriented but it kind of reminded me and I'm not comparing guru nanak's work to rumi uh, of course not, but it kind of reminded me of one of Rumi's poems, which kind of made me understand the Shabbat actually a little better today, which is that going to wondrous places, the mystery doesn't become clear. The mystery only becomes clear, as Guru Nanak basically says in this Shabbat, is when, is when you know, your mind gets pierced with the compassion. 
and then you're empty and then the love and the Shabbat flows within you, then the mystery gets clear. Before that, um, just going to all these places and um, doing what, you know, most of the world does, it's, it's not going to, not going to help you understand it going God as as much as it, you think it is. Mm. I know that was a long-winded answer, but uh, no, I definitely no, wanted to uh, say it, it, it kind of reminded me of uh, other poetry I read, and Guru Nanak just puts it in very clear format. I've never, I'm not, I'm not sure actually if I've heard this Shabbat before, but I really, you know, what stuck out to me, tell you the truth, is the one Shabbat lives on my breast, no longer entering bird cycle. And just as you're talking about theater, it's, if you could just get one Shabbat that lives on your breast and you identify with, then the mystery would become clearer too, not by doing so many things in life. So it's very powerful. As as all our Shabbats were, you know, they're, they're just, uh, once you transcreate them and now you were saying it on the podcast, it's it's amazing. Yeah, you know, I was uh, when I was thinking about the Shabbat, I um, you know I spoke to quite a few of my friends. Uh, you know, they are from different faiths, and I asked them, you know, what is pilgrimage to you? Um, and you know, each one of them had because we are all different, gave a different understanding. But what I found was it was difficult to articulate because even you are also saying that you really don't know what it is. But, or why we go. So I asked them, you know, the question which I asked my friends was, you know, what is pilgrimage to you? And what is the ultimate goal that you go on a pilgrimage? And, you know, so this was, it was, it was wonderful discussions that I had with, you know, various of my various friends. And, um, you know, some of them said, well, you know, you know, there's a, I don't know because everyone goes on one. So, and these are the people I was, uh, the ones which I was talking to. We were not going to be talking about, you know, what people go on a vacation tirat. Well, whole families go, okay, we're going to on a tirat yaza, we're going to go to visit all the gurdwaras. This is not that. This was, this was strictly, it was saying, was the pilgrimage, with the, you know, when you decide you want to go. And they said, well, you know what? One of them said to me, she said, it was, I just had this incredible longing that I needed to do this. And, uh, you know, she was of the Christian faith. And she said, it, was, it meant a lot to me to be able to do this. It, it took, um, she, and she said, I had to dedicate time to it, resources, but it was important. And that's why I went on that pilgrimage. And, uh, you know, she talked about her journey. And then she asked me, you know, so what is it in, in your faith? And I explained to her that, you know, pilgrimage was within. For me, it is within. And even to, and she, so she asked me, she said, you know, within, does it mean there's a longing then? Do you have that pull? And I said, absolutely. Because there was a longing within me, there was a stirring. I have no idea why that happened. I can't put it, say it happened because this, this, or this. But, you know, you go within. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, Manpreet brave. Uh, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm brave, but honestly, she said to me, she said, that was brave of you to go within because it's so easy to go outside on a pilgrimage, but to go within and then to navigate your inner geography. Wow. That takes time, effort, and a lot of hardship. 
And I thought about her words because she used those words, you know, inner geography and brave. And I told her, I said, yeah. I said, you know, that journey within, it was into the unknown. It was an uncharted territory. I had, the only thing that I had uh, as guidance was Shabbat. And I went through, I went into pretty dark and torturous places. And I said, but I, I wasn't scared. At times I was. I said, but that light, that Shabbat was with me. So that to me was, you know, we talked about was true, true pilgrimage because that was where the, that darkness, what carried me from that darkness. Well, in that pilgrimage, there's also darkness and there's also light. Because only light can dissipate the darkness, and the light for us is Shabbat. You know, I remember reading um, the Buddhist monks, you know, when they leave, um, when they want to uh, have um, a glimpse of the Dalai Lama and the ones who are, you know, in, in China, and so they have to escape. They go through great danger on, uh, to themselves. They put themselves through great danger, and they go through these, these mountains and they bear the cold and then you know it's a journey which takes them maybe two months four months five months and it's dangerous they don't know whether they're going to come back and it's incredible and i was reading these this the stories of these individuals that by the time they come to dharamsala and by the time they have an audience with the Dalai Lama, and he asks them you know, we bless them and ask them, what do you want? What is it that you are seeking? And each one of them said nothing. We're not seeking anything. Because whatever answers they needed or whatever they needed was already done in that journey. It's that longing. Because the pilgrimage, actually the purpose of a pilgrimage is to transform your own heart to learn to see through the eyes of love, through the eyes of compassion, through the eyes of oneness. You know, sometimes circumstances are beyond our control. We don't know what is going to happen around us. Things change drastically. But how we look and act is within our control. And we have a choice how to respond. And that comes when the inner pilgrimage takes place, when we are able to transform our hearts and look at it. You know, I know it just sounds all lovely and a little, you know, easy, or maybe it's too much out there, but, you know, it's quite difficult for the heart to open, and it requires, and the mind, and it requires steady wooing. I call that. I have to woo my mind. My heart has to woo my mind. This is the way you need to be. This is the way you need to do. That's only then will the mind ever so slowly says, okay, I'm willing to give it a chance. And immediately, as soon as a strong wind blows, that's in the early stages, the mind closes up again, says, nope, this is too difficult. I don't want to do it. And the heart works again. So it's a constant wooing process. Or it's the constant chiseling process which Shabbat does. It's constantly happening. That's why, you know, when the one Shabbat lives on your breath, 
it is you're constantly in that remembrance and remembrance that you are a spark of divine light. You are a joy. That you're this incredible, you have the potential. The potential is within you to rise and be this incredible, you know, light and to be a Kal. Uh, you know, working on the Shabbat, I cannot, not working on the Shabbat, the Shabbat working on me, I really should be saying that. I cannot even begin to tell you what the Shabbat has unlocked in me. I'm not quite sure what happens within me, you know, when I sit down, you know, it takes me a day and a half of really sitting down and thinking about this um, Shabbat when I prepare for the podcast. I know that something definitely shifts within me. I know the questions that I ask myself, you know, I I know I go deeper. And it's like time stands still and it's an incredibly beautiful experience. So you know, Manpreet, as beautiful, as beautiful as this world outside is and the journey outside is, and it is beautiful, the journey within is amazing. The discoveries that you find within yourself are truly amazing. In fact, they're beautifully amazing. I want to use both the words. You know, the, the Shabbat for me has this been an incredible wave upon wave of understanding, of knowing, of experience of ourselves that I never had. I didn't know I, what a car meant, what it was to experience a bit of that. So I hope, um, you know, our audience this year picks up one Shabbat of Guru Nanak's app and really works with it for themselves, internalizes it, and what it means for them. I mean, that is a true celebration. You know, the entire world will be celebrating Nanak Shai 550, you know, there'll be Nagar Kirtans, there'll be Gurdwara celebrations. But what is it that you're doing for yourself? How are you personally celebrating the coming of Pacha? I want to leave, you know, our listeners with that thought. And Manpreet, if I may be so bold yeah. enough to ask mm-hmm. you, how are you going to be celebrating? Well, you've given me a lot to think about. That's for sure. But I, you know, I'm I'm having huge changes this year in my life too. So this is a great way to start the new year for me. And I'm realizing how much I missed uh, these uh, Shabbat transcreations and explanations with you. But yeah, no, it's a lot to think about. And I do hope uh, our listeners realize what we're saying in this Shabbat and what we're trying to convey. It's very, very powerful. I think it's a great, great Shabbat to start off the new new year with. And Inikar, I really, really thank you for all your efforts. And I hope, I know I am, I'm definitely looking forward to the next uh, 12 months uh, doing a Shabbat with you. This, is, this has been great. Thank you, Manpre. Thank you. And um, I will see you I will well. I will speak to you next month. Yeah. And um, yeah. thank you, and thank you to our listeners, and Guru Fateh.